Let's go to Psalm 116. Psalm 116, we'll start there. Psalm 116, verse 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Isn't that a blessing to know God answers your prayers? He hears you. I'm glad I serve a living God, not a dead statue. Amen. All these people want to make a God and bow down to it and kiss it and tote it and promote it and stick it in their living room and I can't imagine how Israel would do that kind of stuff. They had a living God that delivered them, and then they'd make a golden calf and say, you be the God that delivers out of Egypt. Uh, it just don't make sense to me. It'd be like a man going out there and hugging a tree and saying, thou art my wife. And <laughs> Good night. That's just, it's just stupid, right? Amen. Verse 2, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Because he answered my prayer. He heard me. How do you know God's alive? I talked to him and he answered me and he, he speaks to me. The sorrows of death can pass me and the pains of hell get hold of me, upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Is that you? I found it. Amen. And actually trouble finds me. <laughs> Amen. If there's a way to get in it, I get in it. Amen. You ever been in trouble? That's where people find God. Listen, they need trouble. People need trouble in their life. Trouble's your friend. I don't like trouble. You know what he says? He says over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that you may be able to help them which are in any trouble. Trouble. Man is born on the trouble as what? As the sparks fly upward. Verse 4. Then, you see that? Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Lord, you're in a I'm in a mess. I need help. Help me. People get real religious when they go to jail. People get real religious when, when uh, hospitals, they got to go to them. They got little rooms in a hospital called chapels where people can go and pray. They got chaplains there. Why? Because somebody's in trouble. And in trouble, they begin to look at God. How many people are looking for God on the ball field? How many people were at football games yesterday thinking about God? They're thinking about Him if they got in a car wreck on the way home. If they did something stupid and got drunk and now they got to go to court and face it. the judge because they got locked up and did something stupid. See, people get spiritual when they get trouble. Then call I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. I was brought low and he what? The best thing in your life is to get brought low. Thank God for all the days he brought me low. Not two lows. Brother Nick didn't get that one, I guess. <laughs> Amen. Verse 7. Uh, Return unto my rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. Where's your rest at? It's in the Lord, isn't it? Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Right? Verse 8, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I have spoken. To me, that's the number one evidence of somebody getting born again. Amen? So what if you're deaf mute? Well, they'll speak with their hands. 
You ever heard of Dummy Brown? Dummy Brown got saved. He was deaf man and mute. And uh, Bill Pennell tried to figure out how to witness to Dummy Brown. Dummy Brown was on the altar. He said, how do I talk to this guy? He's deaf mute. Can't talk to him. But somehow, Dummy Brown wound up getting saved, gave Jesus his heart. Next thing you know, going out of town the next day, they see Dummy Brown walking with an axe. Where's he going? Dummy Brown went in the woods and he cut down some wood and he made a cross. And he wound up sticking a cross on the side of the road. Amen. And he preached on the side of the road. He point to people and he point to the cross and then he point to his heart and he point up there. Something happened to him. And a missionary was coming by and was going to get out of the ministry and came by and seen Dummy Brown that couldn't talk, amen, and couldn't hear, stand on the side of the road telling people, no cross, you go there. Take the cross, in here you go up there. And he became a witness for Jesus Christ. You know what he did? He was speaking. He said, I believe, therefore I've spoken. Amen. To me, that's evidence. Man gets saved. God comes in his heart. Guess what, man? Guess what happened to me? <laughs> man, I met God. God changed my life. Something happened. You understand? They'll, they'll tell you. you. You don't have to find. Somebody find God and they want to hide. They don't want to talk about God. Something wrong. I believe, therefore I've spoken. To me, that's initial evidence. Not, not speaking in tongues, but with a new tongue. What's a new tongue? I'm born again. I'm saved. Met Jesus. Hey, what did, they, they say, man, what happened to them cuss words? No room for cussing in my heart now. Jesus is there. Yeah, man. Verse 10. I believe, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. You know what? He might have been hasty, but God confirmed that through the Apostle Paul. Right? Amen. He said, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Let me ask you a question. What are you going to render? For all his benefits toward you. You notice render, you know, you know what you put on that, surrender. Amen. You know what surrender is? That you're giving up something. What do you give up when you surrender? You, you give up your, your life. Basically, if, you, if, you got an, if Russians came in here and attacked our land, and I, I wound up walking out with a white flag, my hands up in the air, and I'm surrendering, what am I doing? I'm completely giving up my life to their will. That they can do with me whatever they want to do. I give up. I just want to preserve my life. And the only way I know to preserve my life is to surrender it to them. Right? When a judge asks you to surrender up your license, driver's license, what he's asking you to do? Give it up. Amen? So what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to me? What can I take out of my life and go back and prove to God that I'm appreciative of what he's done for me? Render. Give, right? It costs you. So what? God's benefits cost me? Listen, if God's been good to you, you want to be good to others. Amen. Amen. Look at what he says. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. You ever made a vow to God? God said, defer not to pay it. Amen. You know how people break vows all the time? There's, there's a whole lot more vows than just wedding vows. There's people getting in trouble. These people get in a pinch and say, God, you get me out of trouble, I'll serve you all the days of my life. They get out of trouble, God solves the problem. They're in the bar. Right? They're boozing. They done forgot what they said. God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Didn't you, didn't you vows unto me? 
God don't take pleasure in fools, he says. We better render unto God what he said he'd do. I will pay all my vows in the, pre in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is what? The death of the saints. Now, it's not physical death there in the passage. If you read the whole context, we haven't been dealing with physical death anywhere, have we? Oh, Lord, truly I am thy servant, and I, and I am thy servant, and the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord of the Lord's house in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. He's dying to himself. That's a death. Hello. That's a spiritual death he's dealing with. There. I understand we preach that, and that's a great sermon to preach right there. out there. Amen. At any funeral you ever preach, precious in the sight of the Lord's death of his saints. Amen. Listen, right? But he's talking about a spiritual death right there. The man's alive. He said, precious inside the Lord, what? This man's dying to himself, and he's going to serve the Lord. Right? He's going to pay his vows. He's, he's willing to humble himself in the presence of God, in the presence of all God's people, and do what he told God he would do because he got him out of trouble. That means you're changing your life and surrendering to him to do what God wants done in your life. That's called a crucifixion. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2. A crucifixion. You know what God wants? God wants a crucified Christian. God wants a person that would be willing to die to themselves and turn around and allow God to live through you and you to honor your vows to Him. You ever vowed a vow to Him? Galatians 2. Galatians 2. Verse 20, I am what? Crucified. Is that your testimony? Judicially it is. But experientially, in practice, is that your practice every day to die to yourself or is it every day for you to live for yourself? Is the goal in your life to accomplish what you want done or is the goal in your life to accomplish what God wants done? Hello? Amen? I am fulfilling your will, God. I am living after you. I will pay the vows. Listen, I surrendered my life completely to you to serve you. Now I'm just going to live for myself and do what I want. Stockpile a bunch of Walmart and Lowe's and Home Depot junk in my house. And I'm going to tend all this Ace Hardware stuff in my garage. And I'm going to bow down to my knickknacks and my closet, my wardrobe, and my toys. And I'm going to live for my toys. You delivered me, God, so I can take all the money I earned and surrender it on me. Because I'm going to be like Haman. Who would God rather honor than me? Right? Oh, we get in trouble. We get in a mess. Our life's messed up. We run to God, cry out to Him. He relieves us of our problems and troubles, gets us out of the mess. To what? Go serve ourselves. Or to serve Him. I am crucified with let me ask you, when did you die? When did you die to you? When did you die to your plans, your will? When did you lay your will at His feet and say, God, I surrender all. And all to Thee, I surrender. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ what? liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Let's go to Galatians 6. Galatians chapter number 6. God, God allowed you to live. You've surrendered your life down to him. Amen. He has crucified you judicially, but now it's got to become experiential in your life. You've got to allow him to take you to a place of crucifixion. And as he crucifies you, you live a substitute and exchange life. Your life for his. You lay down your life so his life will come through you and live through you. It's an exchange life. It's called the crucified life. Galatians chapter number 6 verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross. What he means by save. What's save in the cross mean there? Save in the cross means what? Except, huh? Right? Only in the cross. That's what he's trying to tell you. I'm going to glory where I'm going to go. I'm going to glory in the cross. Why? Because it did something for me and it's doing something to me. What's it doing, preacher? Let's look at it. Saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. There's a death that transpires and God ruined me when I got saved. He ruined me for this world and He ruined the world to me. I can't fellowship. I can't yoke up with the man. I can't hook up. There's a barrier. There's something happened there. What happened? The cross become between me and heaven and hell. The cross come between me and the world and my flesh. And God has rooted me. I just can't yoke up. I can't get along. I can't. I don't fit in this world. I can't fit in this world. There's something that's gone on in my life and transpired in my life. I can't make it out there. I don't want to make it out there. I have no desire to make it out there. I don't want to be part of it. I want out of here. I hate it. I cannot be what? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't, and I always change it, and I say, I won't feel at home in this world anymore. I refuse to feel comfortable down here. I want all my focus and my sight on the other side. Listen, I got one goal in mind down here. It's to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must try to reach others. I'm crucified, crucified, crucified onto the world. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Paul's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about Christ and our life being in vain and preaching being in vain and if Christ be not raised from the dead. Verse 19, For in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have what? All men what? You want to live a miserable life? Don't get saved. Well, man, look at the world out there. They're having a fun time. And we've got Christians that even came to this church that's no longer uh, living for God. Why? Because they got more fun and joy and happiness out there. Well, I'll tell you, drinking, smoking, partying, fornicating, STDs, all that other kind of stuff sounds like living. I'd rather not have live. Right? That whole sodomite crowd out there having a time getting AIDS and, and STDs and all this, it don't sound like fun to me. Right? All these people getting herpes and syphilis and, and all that, other, it doesn't sound like me like to have fun. Smoking, getting cancer, dying of lung cancer, right? Drinking, getting cirrhosis of the liver, fighting, killing, stabbing, murder, it doesn't sound like they're having a bit of fun. Right? 
Look at the fruit on the trees that all these people say is fun. Look at the lives of all these people that say they're having fun. There ain't no God. Look at them. You're right. Hey, Paul said, if there ain't something beyond this grave, man, we're of all men most miserable. Look at what he says in verse 30. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? If there's no resurrection and Christ, the dead be not Christ. He said, what are we standing in jeopardy every hour for? I protest. Amen. Paul's a protester. Amen. I protest by your rejoicings which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die how? You know what you got to do? You got to die daily to self, to this world. Amen. To God. You understand what I'm saying? It's a daily responsibility for a Christian to die. What Paul saying in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter number 1. We're talking about a Christian to live a crucified life. How's a Christian supposed to think? What is he supposed to think about? Not your will, but thine be done. Paul's preaching over here in Philippians chapter number 1. He's in jail for, for, the, for the gospel of Christ. It says verse 13, So the that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord are waxing confident by my bonds and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Amen. Some indeed preaching Christ of envy and strife and some of goodwill. One preached Christ of contention to not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds and the other of love knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and, and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. For I know that this shall... Turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also in Christ shall uh, also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by is that your goal? Whether you live or die that Christ would be honored? And when he's talking about dying there, he's talking about being martyred for Jesus Christ, not just you sitting in a lazy boy recliner and rotting with cancer. <laughs> he's talking about getting out there and hazarding your life for Jesus Christ. Look what he says, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is... He's talking about physical death, but spiritual death, amen, to yourself, that's a gain. Look at what he says. But if I live in where? In the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I walk not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for me to buy more groceries and toys and fun and games. We don't live for ourselves. We live for somebody else. And that's what Paul's trying to say. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain, right? And then he says, verse 23, For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to part, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Amen. And having all confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. Amen. For your furtherance and joy of faith. Listen. We're here to help somebody else further their lives in Jesus Christ. To serve and minister to other Christians that they might advance in Jesus Christ. To further them. Let me ask you a question. Who are you furthering with the gospel? Who are you helping in the gospel to further somebody that they might be able to grow and go? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you ever laid your life on the altar and said, there it is, God, you take it, lock, stock, and barrel, hook, line, sinker, you fill in the orders, and I'll go, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. No matter what, I'll try to fulfill that. 
I want to help people further that. I want people, lost people to come to Christ. I want saved people to wind up growing and advancing for your power. I want your word and testimony to advance around the world. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. He says in verse 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God, should shine in unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. If you become a servant of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, now it's 4, 5. Paul become a servant of Jesus Christ for who? For people's sake, to help people. He said, I'm your servant for your sake, to help you. Right? He said in chapter 1, hold your place there and go to chapter 1. Verse 24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of what? Your joy. By faith you stand. Verse 11. You also helping together how? By prayer for us. Amen. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, many thanks may be given on many on our behalf. Listen, Paul's trying to help people and further people and he's, he's trying to show you that others are trying to help him get to them so they can be helpers of their faith, their joy because we all stand by faith. Listen, that's what we're supposed to do. We get saved. Our goal is not to live for ourselves and serve ourselves but to serve God and we do that by helping others. To what? Further their faith. To further the gospel. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number 4. Verse 6, for, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts and given light, amen, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, not despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for which... We, or for we which live, are always delivered unto death for who? That's not just a physical death there, that's a spiritual death. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest where? Listen, Paul said, I'm delivered to death continually. I must stay crucified. Why? That the life of Jesus might be manifest. Where? In my mortal body. What did he say in Galatians 1.16? Anybody quote me Galatians 1.16? He says, when it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb. Why? That Christ may be revealed in me. You know what God wants? God wants Christ revealed in you. You know what he's got to do? He's got to peel you back like an onion, layer upon layer, to wind up getting you to a place where Christ can be revealed in you. So what's he do? He strips you down of you and breaks you of you and brings you to a place where you're completely broken and submitted to him where Christ can be manifested. How? The dying of the body. You must die to self, amen, that the life of Christ may be manifested in your mortal body. That's a spiritual death. That's part of the crucified life. Right? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death working as us, but life where? In you. It's all brought about. My death is brought out to might bring manifest Christ and bring Christ's life out of you. 
So we die to ourselves that we might see Christ come up in you. That's the whole goal. And we get a bunch of crucified Christians that are dead to themselves while trying to work together to bring life. Not death. Right? These churches with all these carnal goals are wrong. The goal is that we die that we might bring life. It ain't that we strengthen the flesh and promote the flesh and live in the flesh. It's that we die. Look at what he says. Verse 12, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 13, We having the same spirit of... You know what? There's a bunch of people I, I've run across around this world claim to be born again Christians. We ain't got the same spirit. We butt heads. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not talking about Christians having disagreements. I'm talking about the cat's hair's always backwards when I meet certain people. That guy turned the cat around. Something ain't right. Right? The hair, you ever stroke a cat's hair backwards? That stuff curls up. But you stroke it right, it's nice and smooth, lays down. Listen, there's friction all the time with certain people. I, I don't understand that. Amen? Look at this. We, we started in Psalm 116, right? Verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as written, I believe, therefore I have, or have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore what? Speak. You know what that shows you right there in the passage that Paul's quoting there, according to Psalm 116? Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of who? His saints. He's talking about a crucified death there, not about a physical death. It's always used as a physical death, but here in the passage it's a spiritual death that you die to yourself. Amen. Right? You see how the scriptures used and how God uses the scripture? He's got liberty to use it any way he wants to. He can use it physical, he can use it spiritual. But look at what he says. Verse 14 Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us, or up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. That's a physical. But watch this, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man what? Perish. Yet the inward man is renewed. How? Listen, you have to work on your spiritual life every day. You must die to yourself and make a full commitment to Jesus Christ that he will live through me and others will see Christ in me and I'm going to set my face like a flint. That's what's going to happen. And so many people live their Christian life, they never live that way. They make a one-time decision and walk away from it and they don't purpose to follow God. They set out to live for their own selves. Look at what he says. Verse 17, For our light, what? Which is but a moment, worketh far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that in the, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were, this all, let's talk about death. Amen. We have a building of God not made with hands. So what I'm talking about is we're dying to self. We must die to ourselves. He's got physical death and spiritual death mixed together. But we must, if we're not willing to die physically, we're not going to ever die spiritually. But there must be a spiritual death. So what then? Do we make earthly plans and goals? Let's go to uh, Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. 
Verse 6, knowing this, this is something God wants you to know. This is something God wants in your head. All new Bibles change this verse. You better watch it. Knowing this, that our old man what? Is. Do you see that? What's is? The tense to that verse is is right now. Your new Bibles change it to was. Our old man was crucified. You know what that means? They say it's a past transaction. It is right now. Your old man is nailed to that cross with Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, you're in his death, burial, and resurrection. You're in his baptism. You're in his life. You're in his advocacy. You're in Christ. You is crucified. Now, here's the thing. Are you going to live up to that testimony? You say, what do you mean? That's what you are in your standing. That's what you are in Christ. Now, is your state going to line up with your standing? And that's the goal, is to get your profession to match your possession, your standing versus your state. Amen? And God wants you lined up. He judicially knows that Cliff Parks was killed and crucified uh, at 33 AD upon a cross because Christ became sin. He became my sin. Right? He was nailed to that tree and God said, you're nailed to that tree. Who? My old man. Now, you're dead. So what's he living for? We're going to spend all our life working and serving a corpse. Or we're going to spend all our time working and serving our Lord, Master, and Savior. How much time do you spend on the corpse versus how much time do you spend on him and for him and with him? I mean, we're going to bow down and serve a corpse. Right? I'd hate to know that I spent all my time just trying to serve this thing and not serve Him. Amen? And the goal is to bring you to a place, dwindle you down and cut you back to the place where all your effort and time, amen, is spent on Him and for others than instead of serving this. Right? You with me? I'm not getting no amens. Look at what it says. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be, that we henceforth should not what? Serve sin. The whole goal is to get us to change who we serve. Right. Amen. And the proof and evidence, amen, is who you serve, amen, is by what you do. Amen. We're talking about crucifixion. Talk about being a crucified Christian. Let's go to Luke 17. I'm just giving you a bunch of verses there that show you that the crucified life is part of the Christian life. You with me? Amen? Amen? I didn't quote a couple of these. But uh, the Bible says in Galatians 4.19, he said, uh, I travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. Uh, Homer Smith said that was a third birth where Christ is now to be formed in you. I trail in, again, in birth again for you. Amen. It's where a Christian dies now that he's born again and dies. Amen. And labors. Amen. That others might see Christ formed in them. Wow, that's pretty deep, ain't it? Romans 8.28. We always quote Romans 8.28. For we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called according to this purpose, to them that love God, you love them? Then we know everything works in your life for what? Huh? For good. Are you called? Do you love them? Verse 29. 
For whom he did foreknow, he what? Predestinate. Predestinated to be what? Conform to his image. I understand that's going to happen physically. We're going to get a glorified body. But I'm talking about spiritually. God allows all things to enter in our life to bring us to a place to where we die. He peels us back and that we're conformed to the image of Christ. That Christ would be formed in us. That's a tough thing, ain't it? That's talking about the crucified life. I want to show you something here. Verse 20. Luke 17, 20. And when he demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Philippians chapter number 2, verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right, you say you got it on the inside. He says, Work it out. Get it outward. Amen. If the kingdom of God's in you, then let it come out. And what happens is a lot of people want to put a cap on it, lid on it, and God's got to wind up breaking and marring the vessel so the light will come out. He's got to peel us back. He's got to squeeze us. He's, he wants us to be in a place, amen, to where His Son is revealed in us and that people can see the image of God stamped on us. Right. It's a crucified life. Look at what He says. And He said unto His disciples, The day will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they, sh they shall say unto you, See here, or see there, and go not after them, nor follow them. For as a lightning that lighteth out of the one part of the he under heaven, shineth on another part of the heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be what? Rejected of his generation. First thing I'd like to say about the crucified life is, if you surrender to be crucified, and you surrender... Amen. To allow God to crucify you, you will suffer many things. You're going to go through it. You're setting yourself up for a life of suffering. You're fixing to go through it. The way things are preached according to his health and wealth and prosperity gospel is that God doesn't want you to go through any bad thing in your life. And God wants to rid me of all trouble. You're nuts. Nut is a pink on pie. Amen. Right? Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, when you surrender to Jesus Christ and you trust Him, you've entered into a life of persecution. This world hates Jesus Christ. They hate His Bible. They hate His Son. They hate His church. They hate everything to do with Him. And listen, you've done set yourself up. People get saved. They go home and say, guess what? I got born again. Find out nobody likes that idea. Everybody wants to cuss and blaspheme Jesus. They're not excited about the new birth that transpired in your life. And guess what? You become an outcast. What happened to John 9 when the man had his eyes open? He was cast out. Why? He was a blind man. Now he can see. So guess what? I can see. <laughs> Amen. Who opened your eyes? I don't know. Boy, he asked him one question. He said, if I tell you who he was, would you follow him? Oh, man. <laughs> that really rubbed them boys the wrong way. Yes, Amen. His parents wouldn't confess it. Why? They're afraid to get put out of synagogue. You know how many people are afraid to confess Jesus Christ or where they go to church because it's going to upset and ruffle their daily lives and the places they frequent and go? I can't come out. Listen, there's a bunch of people afraid to come out of the Masons. Why? They're afraid to take a stand. They're going to lose status. Amen. They want to slip away. They don't want persecution. It's going to happen. 
There's people who won't get saved today because they know that they're, they're going to suffer some major loss. Catholics, I had a young Catholic girl tell me down, downtown, she said, if I get saved, my parents kick me out of the house. I can't get saved. We know a guy named Stan Skriloff got saved as a Jew. His daddy beat him with the buckle of the belt. Amen. And kicked him out and had a mock funeral. Disinherited him. Done. Gone. Stan Skriloff living for Jesus Christ. He was a chaplain in the United States Army. Last I knew down in Fort Polk, Louisiana. You know what? He got saved. Listen, it cost him something to get saved, to step out by faith. A lot of people want to keep it concealed. John 9 tells you that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to suffer many things. Amen. Yea, all that will. Live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Most people will quote uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 or 3.13. It's 3.12. Most people to quote that, they leave the word will out. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a pretty good verse. But yea, all that will. You may not always live godly, but you have a will and a desire to live godly. And if you have that desire to live godly for Jesus Christ, listen, you'll suffer persecution. Namely, by Christians. Yep. <laughs> you know how many Christians will, will give you a hard time for living for God? Yep. <laughs> huh? Yep. Amen. Calm down. Quit shouting. You'll get over it. We all got over it. You get over it, preacher. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Amen. Right? Man, you, who are you? Who do you think you are? Some woman get right with God, said God told me to change my wardrobe. <gasps> oh, my God. You can't do that. But God will do that. God will change people. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, you're going to suffer many things. Next, look at what it says. Must suffer many things and be what? Rejected how? Of this generation. Guess what's going to come with a crucified life? The number one thing people don't want is rejection. Danny Castle preached a message years ago on peer pressure. He said the number one thing to a teenager is the opinion of their peers. That's more valuable to them than what their parents think, what the Bible thinks, what God thinks, is what their dumb, idiotic, foolish buddies at school think. If their buddy said stick a cigarette in your eye, they'd do it just because they don't want to be cool. You understand what I'm saying? They're stupid. They do stupid things. I mean, YouTube's full of all these clowns trying to do something to make their buddies, and their buddies are laughing, and they're writhing in pain on the ground. Huh? Amen. The things they do for dare. Stupid. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, listen, there, there is so much entertainment. My wife asked me one time, what are you watching that for? They're so stupid. They want to hurt themselves. I need to laugh at them. I mean, if you want to jump off a two and a half story building and see if you can land on your feet, do a, do a double, triple somersault and land. Amen. You break your bones and body. <laughs> Idiot. Huh? People want to jump out of a perfectly good pickup truck. Amen. Throw themselves in front of a street sign. <laughs> Good. I hope they splat like a bug on the windshield. Amen. I ain't, I ain't got no compassion for them idiots. Amen. They want to be that dumb? I'll laugh at them. Right? Hello. I ain't got no... Listen. Why, why should I feel sorry for them? God wants to set his hair on fire? Good. You want to drink a glass of whiskey? Amen. Light it and then try to drink it and then it blows up and burns your face and burns your... Good. Amen. You need to learn not to be stupid. Amen. Your companion, your fools, your buddies ain't there to help you. Right? Listen, you'll be rejected of this generation. This generation hates Jesus Christ. That generation hated Jesus Christ. Nobody wants you to live for God. Amen. Amen. It's kind of funny how all of a sudden I got saved and I got right with God and all of a sudden all these people just kind of wanted to disappear. They're like cockroaches. Uh -huh. Turn the light on, they disappear. Yeah. Amen. The closer I get to God, the more people drop off. Yep. 
Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I've been in a bunch of churches like that. You walk in, turn the light on, and the rats and the roaches flee. Amen. <laughs> amen. You don't know how many preachers at churches I've been to and got up and preached and people told their preacher, don't ever have that guy back. Amen. They've done it. Why? Turn the light on. Expose their sin. What do you think I'm going to preach on when I show up? Why do you think they don't want evangelists to come in and preach a revival anymore? They want some, some preacher to come in and preach on parables. Hey, preacher, what you miss? You got a nice little comfortable study to help my people stay in darkness and sit in a comfortable zone of the world? Why don't you come and, and uh, preach and we'll have a good time and I wine and dine and take you out to all these restaurants, show you all the sites, and then you go back to your little church and then when I want to go on vacation, me and my wife come down and you show us all your sites, you take us out to dinner and all that other stuff, and I'll preach stuff and encourage you because I won't shake, I won't, I guarantee you, I won't shake the church up, I won't stir it up, I won't cause the church split. He said, I'll, I'll come in and I'll pet all your little kitties. Amen. They don't want somebody to come in that's going to stir it up. Uh -huh. Amen. I thought I was supposed to stir it up. I thought I was supposed to preach the truth. I thought I was supposed to preach and if somebody was wrong with God, they'd get right with God. For some reason I had a feeling that when I preached revivals, people wanted to come to God and get right and draw close to Him. For some reason they didn't want to draw close. Amen. They don't want to give up the world. They don't want to be crucified. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be rejected. Amen. Beware when all men speak what? Well of you. Let me ask you a question. You got anybody that speaks evil of you? Huh? Amen. Listen. Amen. I'm not talking about what you said and done in the flesh. I'm talking about do they hate your Christian life and you'll stand? Do they hate you for Jesus' sake? Jesus said they hated me without a cause. They'll hate you without a cause. Why? Because they hated him. Why'd they hate Jesus? Psalm 109. Why'd they hate him? Psalm 109 verse 4. Why'd they hate him? For my love. They became my adversaries. But I give myself on a prayer. You know how you handle all that? Prayer. Spending time in the prayer closet. What? Dying to self. Number three. Amen. Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter number nine. I'm just trying to help you today. Some, some things I ain't got time to get through at all. I'm just talking about the crucified life. Amen. You're going to be crucified with Christ, right? And there's some things you got to understand. Mark chapter number nine. Amen. Verse 12. Verse 11. And they asked him, saying, What say the scribes that Elias must come first? And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And I was written, The Son of Man must suffer many things. And to be said at what? Not. Not. You know what the devil said to God about Job? He said, Doth Job serve God for naught. You know what that means? For no reason. Nothing. Does Job have an ulterior motive to serve you? He said, you know what? You've blessed him. You've given him a lot. You've given him houses, lands, cattle. You've, you've, you've really blessed Job. He said, I guarantee you, you take every bit of away, he'll cuss you in your face. You know why? He only serves you because you're good to him. You know what God will do in your life? You want to yield to a crucified life? He just may take everything away from you and everybody. He did it to Jesus. Stripped him of naught. Everything. Boy, I don't like that. Oh, man. Have you ever lost everything for God? Are you willing to give up the world for God? A lot of people are willing to go to the world for God, but they're willing to give the world up for Him. What did he say right there? Serve God for naught. 
23.11. Luke 23.11. Verse 10, the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him, and Herod and his men of war set him at naught. Well, you surrender to crucified life, man. You're going to be put to naught. You're going to come to a place where God strips you of everything and everybody, and there ain't nobody going to say nothing good about you. There ain't going to be nobody around to speak good things about you. Your name's going to be mud. You're going to stink. You're going to be set at naught. You're going to become worthless. Man, there must be something wrong with that little church over there. That preacher seems to stink in everybody's nostrils. You ever been set at naught? Get to where the brethren don't like you, your family don't like you, the world don't like you. And then you're going, Do I stink? What's going on? God's setting you at naught. God put it on Job, didn't he? Yes. You ever submit to crucified life and say, God, take away everything that, 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 that don't resemble you? <laughs> My wife freaks out. She goes, you had to say that, you had to say that, you had to say that. What, what are you saying all this stuff for? You open your mouth and 90% of all your problem comes from you opening your mouth. There's a war between you and God and the devil and you say it and that just provokes God to make the devil just jump all over you. You're going to be set at naught. You know what it does when you get set at naught? You lose all your reputation. You know what reputation is? What's reputation? What people think of you. You know what Don Green said? The greatest day in your life is when you get a divorce from public opinion. Who cares what the brethren say? I ain't seeking the, I ain't serving the brethren. I don't care what the brethren say. I don't care if they all forsake me. I didn't, they didn't call me. Like I said, if Barack Obama walked in here, he didn't call me. Right? I ain't serving him. Amen. I ain't serving the Baptist Association. I ain't serving the independent Baptist Pope. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I got my calling orders and marching orders and salvation from him. He gave me a manual to follow. And part of the Christian life is to be said it not. I don't like it. But all I know is this guy gives me trouble. And the one I look in the mirror every day, he gives me a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. And all I know is he's got to disappear. And part of the disappearing act is to bring me to nothing. That's not fun. Nope. You know what? What's going to bring you to nothing? may not be the same thing that brings me to nothing. 1 Corinthians. I hate it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. I'll tell you what, we just got to understand what the book says and follow the book. You, you know, you're going to pay a price you want to be a Baptist preacher and you want to stand for the truth. So a bunch of men, you know what they're doing? They're taking the name Baptist off of what they stand for. I don't know if I want a fellowship with a bunch of people afraid to stand up for what they believe. Amen. I'm a non-denominationalist and I stand for any Bible. Anything goes. Yeah. I don't, you tell me you're a compromiser. Yeah, right. I don't, want to, I don't want to run around with a bunch of people who are compromisers. I'm, I want to stand around a man called a Baptist. Amen, John. Hello. He was independent. We found that out by Dan Matters. John was an independent Baptist preacher. Amen. <laughs> right? He's independent. Who was John running with? What association? Was he a Northern Baptist, Southern Baptist? What? No, he was just an independent Baptist. He was a Baptist preacher standing out there. 
standing up a rare back preaching repentance. Amen. Yeah, I'm a repentance preacher. Hallelujah. Amen. Point people to Jesus whom shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He must increase, I must decrease. The axe is laid in the root. You need to repent of your sins, bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. Amen. Let me see God do something in your life. That's what John the Baptist was doing. And he preached against adultery. Amen. Got his head cut off. Amen. Hello. He looked the king right in the face. It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Whoo. He wasn't afraid to call a spade a spade, was he? That's why people hate Baptists. You know what? You, turn, you, you get a real man of God's will to stand up and say what it needs to be said. He don't care whose fender he dents. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 26. For you see your what? Calling who? Brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh. Hallelujah. They can say that. Amen. And not many mighty and not many noble are what? Called. God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and, the, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. You know, you want to get in this crucified life, you want to be a standout Christian, God just might use somebody that's despised. The world can't, I can't stand him. Despised. People rather spit on you than help you. Right? <laughs> the things which are despised hath God chosen, and the things which are not. To bring to what? Not the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. See, that's what God wants to do. God wants to bring you to a place of naught, that you might be able to get out there and preach and bring things to naught, that there be no flesh glorying in His presence. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. Listen, God, God wants to bring us to a place where worldly wealth and fame does not matter. Listen, I could care less how many baptisms some church had. I quit taking the sword of the Lord and all these Christian papers to see all these supermen for Jesus. I care less about it. All these guys want to know all these stats and statistics. I sat in a church while they was looking for a preacher and read a stack of resumes like this, and they all got their stat sheets, how many people they led to Jesus, how many people they baptized, how many diapers they've changed, amen, how many bottles they fed. Listen, I give I care less about stats. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Philippians chapter number two, verse five. Let this mind be in you. What mind? Let's go back up to verse one. If there be any consolation of Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love and being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. What was he doing? He's looking on the things of others. He was caring about others instead of himself. Right. Yeah. Amen. Sure. Verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not to be robber to be equal to God, but made himself of what? No reputation. <sighs> Took upon himself a form of servant, was made in the likeness of flesh, being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself, being obedient unto what? Death, even the death of the cross. You know what he did? He submitted to the cross. He said, I'll die on it. He took it up. He followed him. You know what he tells his disciples? He said, take up your cross and follow me. He wants people to be crucified. Right. He wants people to die. He wants people to die to themselves. How many people want to die to themselves? 
How many people want to give up what they got for Him? See, we've got to lay down our life for Him. You understand? It's Him. It's a crucified life. It's His. It's His life. I want to die. I want to die to self. John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. Verse 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. See, part of, part of the crucified life is loneliness. Mm. But if it die, it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it on the life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. You want to be honored by the Father? Serve Lord Jesus Christ. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this cause I came, amen, unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. There came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Listen, God wants us to be dead to ourselves that he may be glorified in us through our death. That Christ might be magnified in our body, whether by life or death. If God chooses to kill us, then kill us. God wants us to live unto him, then live unto him. But there's going to come a time where we're lonely. Brother Herschel told me, he said, son, you're going to live an awful lonely life. Boy, what a good thing to tell a young preacher. Huh? <laughs> he said, son, you're going to live a lonely life. And he told me as a preacher, keep one bag packed all times. Hey, Amen. Listen, you stand for the truth. You stand for righteousness. You, you ain't very popular. And there ain't a whole lot of people that just want to pay you away. I'm not saying good preachers that want to preach the truth and Christians ain't willing to take care of them. But for the most part, Brethren don't even want the truth. Amen. They try to figure out the business end of this thing and they're trying to make a living at it. Amen. Listen, they, they go around all the other churches. They say they live by faith and they're going around with a handout trying to beg people for money. I didn't see where God told me, now that you're saved, you go out and you beg all the brother brethren to support you. And then you go to all these meetings and then you put you get your hat and your tap shoes and you dance and you do everything you can to try to inspire people to like you. And then they'll give some money to you and support you. I didn't see where that God said to do that. I heard him say, go. They tell me I don't live by faith because I work. Jesus said, work. Labor's worthy of his reward. The Bible said if a man won't take care of his own, he's worse than an infidel. Amen. Bible didn't tell me to go around to all the churches in America and beg them to support me. I understand deputation. I understand the purpose of deputation. I understand men going to foreign countries and they're not allowed to work, so they need the brethren to support them. I understand all that. But I don't understand a bunch of American Baptists that want to sit around and go to camp meeting to camp meeting from place to place and take offerings out of other preachers' pockets so they can go around and enjoy a bunch of food and fellowship. Amen, amen, amen. Hello, I'm talking about abiding alone. Yeah. Get out there and do something for God. Amen? And do what He wants done. 
That's a hard thing to do. What's the hard thing to do? <laughs> to, to die to self and be willing to abide alone. Be willing to stand alone. Amen. Be willing to do the work of God wherever God sends us to do it. Amen. Even if there's what? One. Seven. Ten. What's the proof that God's on a man's ministry? How many people he preaches to? Huh? If that's the case, Joel St. Benny Henry, the greatest man of God in the country, right? Amen. I thought it was what God told us to preach the truth. And some believed and some didn't. Hello? Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for the start of the message that we preached on the crucified life.